Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Stuttering Springboard. My name is Jack Nolan. In this episode, Brian Nolan interviews Rasheen McManus, a wife and mother of a two-year-old girl, a nurse practitioner specializing in community-based hospice care, as well as a long-time leader of stuttering support groups. Brian and Rasheen get vulnerable as they talk about their life experiences as people who, st- who, 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 who stutter. Their many years of concealing their st- st- stutter and what it's like or might be like to be a parent of a child who, who stutters. It's, it's a great example of a grit and perseverance of when you want something so bad that you don't allow your stutter to hold you back. Welcome to the Stuttering Springboard, a podcast series that looks deeply into the critical transition periods in the lives of young people who stutter. Our goal, to help remove the barriers to make make those transitions successful. We're talking about grade school, moving into middle school, middle school to high school, high school to college, and then a career. And actually the whole purpose of the Nolan Stuttering Foundation is to help these young people navigate and remove the barriers um, that we we often place upon ourselves because we stutter. Um, and today I've got, um, I'm gonna call Roisin a hero in the <laughs> stuttering support um, area. Roisin McManus um, started the, I uh, started was chapter lead of, of the Brooklyn, New York National Stuttering Association. She, for, Lots of years, she was a co-host of Stutter Talk podcast, so she's no stranger to podcasts in this arena. Um, she's a board member of Friends, which is a national association of, of young people, and she's been doing that since uh, July 2010. But uh, professionally, she is a nurse practitioner um, for, for Hope Health in Providence, and specializing in uh, palliative care, um, which is, um, I'm guessing has given her a lot of empathy and maybe stuttering has helped with that, helping people through, um, I guess, what might be seen as their last last periods of their life. Roisin, welcome uh, to the Stuttering Springboard. So great to have you here. Thank you, Brian. It's really nice to be here and thank you for, for that generous introduction. Well, uh, I. I could have gone on longer, actually, because um, you've got in your young life, um, you've done so much. Mm-hmm. Um, can 
Can you start by telling us a little bit about your world as a mother um, of a young child? I guess you have a two-year-old girl mm -hmm. and um, a professional life as, as a nurse practitioner um, in, a, in what might be seen as a tough area, uh, the, the hospice type community, huh? What's a typical day like in your world? Um, well, I, I have a two-year-old daughter, Cleo, and <clears throat> my day kind of revolves around her. <laughs> um, I wake up with her in the morning around eight o'clock. We have breakfast with my husband and her. We usually have pancakes. Um, and then I'm usually out the door around 8.30. And my work, um, I, I've done a few different areas of healthcare over the years. I started out in emergency medicine, and then I worked in ICU for a number of years. Um, my, my passion in all of those spaces was, or I was always drawn to kind of patients that were nearing the end of life and interested in what kind of specialized care and attention that that, that people need at that time. Um, and then I moved into that specialty full on maybe three years ago. Mm. Um, and, and I'm actually currently working in primarily community-based palliative care. So I do palliative care consultation in people's homes, mm. um, which is a big jump from, you know, working in the emergency room. Um, but I, I, I really love that. And I really think that that, that is... Um, a really important place to start a lot of these conversations and provide a lot of these, this kind of support it is in people's safe space uh, with their families around kind of before things get emergent or, mm. you know, really intense. Um, so I, I, I do that. I hit the road. I drive, you know, I usually see four to five patients a day, um, sit with them in their homes, lots of conversation lots of sensitive conversation, um, sometimes lighthearted, sometimes difficult, um, but, but generally have uh, very warm relationships with all my patients. Um, and then I head home in the evening and I have dinner with my dot, 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 daughter. Um, we cook her something, we cook ourselves something, and then she heads to bed and my husband and I can take a deep breath and finally uh, oh. relax a bit <laughs> for a good hour or two. So, uh, so this, this idea of working with people who are in their last stages of life um, takes probably an amazing amount of empathy. Um, can you, can you, can you speak to how you think stuttering um, prepared you for this and have you stuttered your whole life? Uh, do, do you remember when it started? And how has that prepared you for this? Um, what what few people have the nerve um, and courage to do? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I definitely have thoughts on this. I, I'm pretty sure I've stuttered my whole life. My, my parents can remember back that even when I was two or three and starting to talk, that they no 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 noticed it. Um, so I think as long as I was speaking, I was stuttering. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into the roller coaster of that throughout the show. But um, when I first went into nursing when I was 21, um, I didn't know what I wanted to specialize in. I just wanted to learn, you know, healthcare. And 
And I think there was something about people who are seriously ill with advanced illness coming towards the end of their life that I was drawn to. And I, and I think, I do think there is a connection with stuttering. And I think it's because my journey with coming to a place of peace with my stuttering was finding professionals and people and in myself, the ability to approach something that other, that I, that was hard to talk about Mm. and that was hard to face. And that I had been sent messages my whole life of sort of like brush it under the rug, hide it, take care of it. Don't shine the light on it. Um, And that type of stigma around it created me a lot of pain. Um, So I think I, I, I think I recognized there were some parallels in people who were really at that point in their life when, when a lot of society wants to turn away from that kind of suffering or mm. that kind of vulnerability. And I was kind of drawn to, to that and shining light on that and that person and what they need and, you know, what kind of care that they need to sort of cross those, cross those waters is a phrase that I've heard before um, of their life. And I saw something sacred there. Mm. Um, and I do think it, that there is not a direct connection with stuttering, but I think the kind of healing and relief that I felt when I went to those darker places with mm. my stuttering, I could see, you know, there was some kind of a parallel there for me. You know, um, I just got back from the West Coast last night at 1 a.m. Um, one of my clients uh, two weeks ago was diagnosed brain cancer. And he's 50 years old. And I, I went in like, I, like you're, you're talking about the, the, um, I felt like I just needed to be there helping him out and, you know, talking to him, talking to his wife and working through, he, he's had brain surgery. And, um, you know, I, I think he, you know, he's got this business. I've I've been coaching this guy for 18 years as -hmm. a business coach. So I can relate to what you're, you're at you know, talking about, I was like, of course, I've got to go there. Of course, I've got to spend time with them. Who else will do that? And um, I think, I think it's a level of, of uh, empathy that you have that allows you to go in. Not, not everybody has that. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty, pretty intense week. So you're catching, <laughs> you're catching me to really, cause I'm, yeah. I'm I don't, yeah. I don't typically deal with with pe- people in that advanced stages, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Or in that, that uh, you know, you have to start to help him figure out his crisis plan related to his contacts and mm-hmm. his wife's trying to figure it out too because she did, doesn't know a lot. Anyway, not mm-hmm. to go off subject, but that I'm, I'm with you there. I'm totally with you there. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> you've got a two-year-old daughter and when you think about the possibility of Chloe, is it Cleo? Uh, Cleo, 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 of Cleo stuttering. What do you think about that? What what goes through your mind? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I, I think it varies. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm recovering from a cold. I think it varies. I think sometimes it pops into my head and it it doesn't worry me. And I'm like, well, we'll cross that bridge if we get, get there and 
we'll, we'll be fine. And then other times I think about, you know, how since having a kid, any pain that she feels, even if she has a sniffle, you know, I kind of feel it <laughs> also. Mm. Um, and I become very worried about any challenge that she's facing. Um, so I sometimes think about if, if she, she does stutter, whether it's, you know, temporarily or permanently, um, that, that I'm going to have to do some work in myself <laughs> to kind of regulate my own emotional response to it. And then that's not just, that's not because I stutter. I think that's any parent of any kid that has any disability or struggle. Um, so I think I, I don't think, I don't worry about, about it. Um, but there are times when, when I do acknowledge that that could be, uh, that that could be cha challenging for her and for us. Uh, I think the point you just mentioned about, um, a parent, um, of a child who has any problem, whether it's AD and D, uh, ADD or some muscle issue or that we worry so much about them and stuttering is just one of the things that, but that we can, we can relate to as, so as you, as you reflect back on it, I mean, you obviously have, I don't know, I don't know if I use the word come to peace with your stutter, um, but it clearly has integrated into your world and, um, and you're a champion for the cause so that other people can just um, understand it's, it's, it's part of them. So in some respects, Clea will be super lucky to have someone like you who's, who's walked through it mm. and, and gone through it. Um, when, when and if she asked you about your speech, what are you going to say? Um, well, I, I love the word integration, to integrate it into your life. That feels a lot more true to me than accept or, you know, get over or overcome when you can come to a place where you can integrate it into your life and your identity and sort of find its place. I feel like it's still a challenge, you know, but it's, but it's there and it has a place. And I, I, I love that phrase. Mm. Um, I think, you know, so in recent weeks, she, her language is kind of like exploding, you know, she's, she's saying right. more things. She's like parroting us. She repeats what we say. She remembers what we say the next day and says it again. Um, and I'm just starting to stutter when I'm talking to her when she was a baby. I, I never stuttered when I was talking to her because I was sort of talking in baby voice and it, you know, there's some research on that, but it just didn't happen. And there's had a few times recently where I've stuttered talking to her and I kind of like, I sort of, um, more than I do with other people, I sort of like have this, oh wait, like, ooh, ooh, try to get through that or try to, and it's been an interesting <clears throat> thing of, okay, I think I, I need to consciously let her hear me stutter, but there's a lot of complex emotions there of like, and I know this is not true, but oh, am I going to, if she hears me stuttering, is she going to speak like that? Is she going to think that's normal? And then, and all these like weird um, worries come in. Um, and, you know, is she going to look at me and, and be like, what's happening? <laughs> um, so I think I'm just at a point where I'm like, oh, I, I, I need to let her hear me stutter. And then I'm going to see her response and kind of go from there and, and <clears throat> respond from there. Um, but that's just starting to happen. Um, so I hope that I'll feel comfortable explaining it and talking about it at the developmentally appropriate time for her. 
Um, but even mm. now I sometimes struggle with it. You, um, you know, Joe Donaher always says that um, uh, people react to, to your stutter the way you react to your stutter. And so how, how you react to your stutter when you stutter is, is really what matters. And it will mean if you react in a um, like in a tough way, in a in a shaken up way. Oh, oh no, I did mm -hmm. that. I'm sorry, honey, or something like that. That's gonna. That's probably not gonna be a good way. But I think you're right. Just you know, I I I think I think speech therapy talks tells us to stutter better, to stutter better. And I'm. I mean, personally, I I I should tell you that I'm. I'm I'm kind of guilty of concealment, like so. I I still deal with sort of personal issues around stuttering. Like, um, the part of why I do this podcast, Rasheen, is so I I it's my own therapy. To like you know like the introduction, I I had all these stutters, and I was like ah mm. Nolan Nolan, mm. you know what I mean. So I'm still working through what what has been. Uh, well, I, I I just turned sixty, so what's been what's well, been 60 years of um, training to hide and really, I mean, to say, say it truthfully, be, a, be ashamed of it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm becoming less and less and less ashamed of it. I, I tell more and more and more people about it. Um, I, I do want to talk a little bit about parenthood and maybe some of the experiences that I've had I've, I have two boys who stutter and uh, I want to, you know, for, for people listening, I, I want to share maybe how I did it wrong and mm. what I've, and, and what maybe all parents might do. Right. So my, my first feeling is guilt. Like, oh no, I pass this on to my child and now they have to do that. My second feeling is I got to fix it, right? This is what I went through. Um, my third is I want to uh, jump in and speak for them. Um, and I want to conceal it uh, for them. This is, this is what I did. When, and then the, the, uh, the fix it part happened when I thought that I, I, I had started to, to become um, a public speaker and, and had learned how to, how to stutter better and stutter less. And so I, I, I had the answers. So I thought, so, I'm, so, but everybody stuttered differently. Um, but I have transitioned into, if I were doing this again, uh, I would focus on love. I'd focus on their, their uniqueness. I'd focus on education, educating others, mm -hmm. educating others in our, extended family about what it means to stutter. So when one of my boys stutter, this is what it means. It means don't lose eye contact, don't finish their sentences, those type of things. Anyway, mm. I wanted to just share that with you as, yeah. as you go through that. So, I mean, some of those first things of emotional guilt and things, those, those become instinctual and you just got to deal with those and get rid of those things because right. at the end of the day, you're a better person, Roisin because you stutter and now you are mm -hmm. able to work with elderly and other people in their last stages of, of life. And, that, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious. When did you, 
Or what was that transition like for you, that realization of, oh, I, I could have done things in a, in a different way? Did it kind of track with your own personal growth and therapy or something? You know, um, it, it it came late. <laughs> um, it came about eight, eight or nine years ago. Um, I was helping my son, uh, Jack. I was giving my son, Jack, some therapy of stuff that I did with, with some tools and we were re recording him and all. And then um, I've had a lot of conversations with Joe Donaher about this. And I've been really, really educated on um, now the um, just the fact that everybody, everybody stutters differently, but most stutterers experience the same thing from a community societal standpoint we've all had issues reading out loud introducing ourselves we could go down the list right um so you're you're doing this at a much younger age and i applaud you for that well i haven't done it yet i mean she she might i i think something that parenthood has revealed to me is like the things that, that you think you have figured out and oh, I'm going to be this kind of parent and I'm, this is how I'm going to feel when she is a challenge. And like, it's not always the way you think <laughs> you might not feel the way you want to feel so much time. Yep. What you're feeling is the reality of your humanity and all that's complexity, but it's um, there's a lot of triggering things happening when you're a parent, you know, it's like bringing up things constantly. And I assume that's just going to get more complex as she grows up. Um, and it's so different when they're your own mm. child and you want to protect them. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, I, I work with a lot of young people who stutter, but when it's your own child, mm. it's unbelievably different. Mm. And it takes a lot of work um, to um, sort of remove and let them be them. What advice would you have if you look at your childhood and your parents, what what was your um, childhood like and your parents? How 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 did they talk to you about stuttering? Um, I I think it would there was there was some hits and some misses. I think that <clears throat> in so, in many ways my parents taught me and exemplified, you know, resilience and self respect through challenge. Um, that really helped me navigate. And then in other ways, I think they did not have good information about stuttering and the information they got from, from the resources they had was not particularly helpful or supportive to, to me. That, and that's all they had. They didn't have, you know, um, they didn't have strong instincts about how to handle it. So I, I think there was a mixture of really wanting to support me and really wanting me to stop stuttering and thinking that that was mm. the best thing that could happen to me is that I would figure out and work hard enough or find the right kind of therapy and stop stuttering. Um, and those were certainly the messages that I got in therapy and the messages that my parents reinforced at home. Um, and I mean, there's been a long journey there. When I was a young adult in college, I really started to seek out another way of thinking about it because I was sort of drowning I was a kind of at rock bottom. Um, and I was like, okay, I, I need to figure this out on my own because every input that I'm getting is not helping me. Um, 
and that led me to connect with other people who stutter and that sort of opened up my whole world and my whole view of stuttering and then I had to go back and kind of teach that to my parents which some of them sometimes one of them understood it a lot more intuitively than the other who was more worried about me if you accept it like how are you gonna work how are you gonna you know like how how is right. life gonna work if this if you accept it like you might accept it but they won't accept you know so I think that that there were levels of fear and anxiety for me that they both had um and and it, and it got in the way of them be, re, being able to really support me sometimes mm. what about siblings do you have siblings I do. I'm the youngest of three and we're all pretty close in age. Um, my siblings were kind of, I think I, I think I hid it from them in terms of how much it affected me. Mm. I think I hid it from everyone in terms of how much it affected me. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. And I, and I think if I, I felt that if I was vulnerable about it and said, I'm really struggling, you know, in high school or middle school, I, I, I feared, and I think it was reasonable fear that the response was going to be, then go to therapy and work on it. And that wasn't helping me yeah. like the kind of therapy I was getting was not helping me. So I didn't want to open up about it because I felt like nobody had anything to offer me. Um, right. So, I mean, it's looking back, it's a very scary place for a kid to be like, nobody can help you and you just have to manage it on your own, you know? But I think that, a lot of kids who stutter feel like that. <laughs> that's how they feel. Oh. Yeah. Do you, do you remember, um, when you learned that if you if you still stutter as a teenager, you're gonna, it's not curable, so to speak. It's yeah. manageable. It's controllable. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember how you felt when that? Oh my god, I was that? devastated. I was yeah. devastated. Yeah, devastated. And I remember thinking, well, I'm 13, so it says here teenager, so maybe next year it'll stop. And then yeah. you know, it was like I was bargaining with myself or bargaining with the world. Yeah. Um, and then I remember when it was clear to me, I'm not going to stop. And it was just like this, <laughs> felt like this devastating secret I was carrying. Yeah. That I'm not going to be able to fix this. Right. Um, so, so were you, uh, um, were you, were you a, a pretty good COVID stutterer? Not COVID, sorry. Covert. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess. Oh, covert. <laughs> it, like, did you, did you go through your days <clears throat> thinking, um, how much can I hide this? And I, I can't get found out. Yeah. That was my life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if I was hot. I mean, I, when I would give presentations, you know, it would be there. Yeah. And I have a few memories of like very painful, you know, experiences, public Same. speaking. Yeah. But I would try to avoid that as much as I could. And I, and I was actually very social and very sort of talkative and kind of, extroverted but I think I often use that a little bit as like a shield like I remember mm. getting in trouble for talking a lot in class mm. but I did it on my terms so I wouldn't get called on in class like I mm. I think I almost acted out so I had this like shield around me I'm like oh Rasheen just like stop talking with your friends and just you know interesting I I, I did the opposite I, I would like hide behind people so as to not, not get not get picked on and I, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually a very extroverted person, which is part of the conflict that I had as a young person. I, I had to not talk to not be found out, but the, the very thing that I w had to not do was what I wanted to do. So working mm. through that, so I, I, I had this constant sort of tug of war happening, particularly with uh, career 
and advancement. Like I had this like internal drive to, to be something great. And my, and my dad would always say, you, you're going to do great things, son. Mm. So I, I do great things. I've got to do great things. Mm. But stuttering, stuttering stopped me. So I've, I've got all the, you know, growing up. And when, when, when you finally push through and the great things you're meant to do are stronger than the stuttering that prevents you from doing them, that's success. And that's mm. the, that's the integration part mm. of integrating stuttering into it. And that's, so I, I was able to do that at, at like age 19, 20, 21, but I still wasn't able to face my stutter. I still was a, was an expert concealer. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Did Where was it for your life in terms of career? Did you, did you think maybe I'll just be a computer programmer because I don't have to talk much? Or did mm. you think it's not going to stop me? Um, I think I was a little bit in between where I, 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 I was really felt very similar to you. I felt kind of ambitious and that I want to do really purposeful work in my life. And I felt that from a young age. Um, and, and I think I sort of plotted ahead with that alongside a, like almost, almost disabling fear of like, I'm not going to be able to, like, I'm going to go to school um, for nur nur nursing say, but there was this voice in my head, like, but once you get set foot in the hospital, <clears throat> how in heck are you going to be able to do this job? And you might not be able to. So there was always this, this fear. And then as college kind of advanced, it got more and more intense, like pressure, like you're not going to be able to do this because you're afraid to talk. Like you're afraid to pick up a phone. How are you going to work in a hospital? And it just felt like this cognitive dissonance almost that I was like moving towards that, but felt totally incapable. But see, so you kept, you kept pushing it. forward, you push forward because, because you had yeah. this voice in you to do it. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then you must've had some moments where you, you push through. Do you, do you have I, I think what I had is I hit like a rock bottom, like I crashed, like I, mm. I guess you could say, you know, in more modern psychological terms, like I fell into a depression and I was just like, almost like sleepwalking around, like, like waking up stressed about speaking, going to bed, feeling like a failure for the times I stuttered during the day and just waking up and then doing it again. And I think at some point, but I had a will to, to survive that. <laughs> and I think at some point I said, like, I have to do something or I'm not, my life is going to go down a path that I do not want it to go down um, of hiding concealment and fear. And I, and I went to a support group. Like that was a huge, um, a huge moment for me. Mm -hmm. That's something that I never wanted to do. And it felt like a last resort. It felt like, you know, I'm not, I don't want to equate it, but like someone walking into AA and being like, I'm just going to go to AA. No, no, it's like, like that. You know, it's like that. Oh, it's like that. Yeah. Yeah. What, so what support group did you go to? I went to the NSA in Brooklyn. So I, the first one I went to, and it was run at Brooklyn college um, by a speech therapy student and a speech therapist, uh, one who started in, and the professor didn't. And, and I just went to a group and it, you know, that sort of was the, the moment that things started to change for me. Um, and I was lucky enough to meet people there that had the ideas that were going to help me. 
Can you can you remember um, walking in in the room the first time? To yes. The, yeah. Yeah. In the crazy I, feeling. Yeah. You you feel it exposed, and then immediately you feel thankful. I um, uh, I think I got involved first uh, with say. Do you know say? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Stuttering Association for the young. So I wanted to start something locally and Joe Donaher wanted me to get some experience somewhere else. He said, just go check this out. So I, I would take a train up to uh, say every Friday mm. for, for weeks and weeks. Um, mm. I remember the first, you know, you know, get off in New York. I remember the first time, um, this is probably 2014, 2000, maybe, maybe, you know, 15, hitting a button to the uh, elevator and going up and literally feeling like it was the first day of school. It was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm going in. It was like, I'm breaking through to the other side to admit that I stutter and I need, I need to help other people to help myself. Mm. It was crazy. It was like a crazy experience. And then mm. I worked with a group of kids. We, you know, we put on a play. It was beautiful. Wow. wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so those first days, can, can you remember the, a first day and in, in school uh do you do you have a first day experience you can share like like a bad one or a good one <laughs> well both actually <laughs> both um yeah I, I i mean there was a market there was a significant difference between my junior year of college and my senior year of college mm. or my junior year in the beginning i was in that rock bottom place and i was like floundering and I started going to support groups and I started very slowly telling people that I was going to support groups. So, so saying the word stuttering, you know, to my friends, which I, which I was not doing prior. Um, and so like those days, junior year in class were like a sophisticated mission to avoid speaking in class. I mean, just to not get called on and I was taking really interesting courses in history and I like knew when I was called on and I was doing all these crazy things. And then my senior year, I had gone through sport groups. I actually did the intensive therapy at the American Institute for Stuttering. I was referred there by someone in the support group. Interesting. I did that between my junior and senior year. Um, and that just flipped my world on its head. I mean, that was just... What um, flipped it? What flipped it? What, so what did they do there? I mean, I know it's a, it's yeah, a yeah. lot of process, but what was it yeah. that was different than maybe earlier therapy? It was at the time, not 100% focused on this, although now it is, but it was really intensive focus on desensitizing you yourself to your stuttering. So going on the subway train and talking about stuttering to the whole car. Got it. You know, going into restaurants and stuttering on purpose, phone calls with the whole row of clients together, stuttering on purpose, like who could get hung up on the phone oh, for man, stuttering? I mean, brave. that is brave. <laughs> I mean, it was terrifying. It was terrifying. You had a group. So you're doing it together and there were days that ended in tears and, but, but it was like, it turned everything on its head. Um, and, and then I went into my senior year that fall and I like the first day of class in a large lecture hall, like stood up and, and, and disclosed a machine. I stutter. You're going to hear me stutter when I speak in class. She was like, Whoa, 180 from the year before. That is um, brave. That is so brave. Yeah. And it changed my whole professional. I mean, it changed so much because people are really drawn to that kind of courage, you know? Vulnerability is a beautiful thing. 
Yeah. Because everybody's yeah. got something. Yeah. Right. Everybody's hiding something. Yes. And, and when you can expose yourself, then um, I mean, to me, like that's freedom. Yeah. Complete freedom. Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't like comfortable stuttering yet, but it was like a huge step forward for me. Mm. Um, and I was lucky that I that I had that right before I entered the workforce. Like I was really I feel very grateful that all those things fell in place where the people I met in the spaces I walked into in New York in those years, you know, gave me that kind of information. And that's why I feel so passionate about this kind of work that you're doing and that a lot of people are doing that gives this kind of information and, and approach to stuttering to, to pe people. Um, because you, you, because you all had a lot of young people can't find that. Um, so, so how do, totally. So how do we, um, get what you experienced, which was essentially avoidance reduction therapy, right? Mm -hmm. Reducing avoidance, because um, we talk about stuttering, that the biggest problem is actually not the uh, fluency issue, it's the psychological implications that actually exacerbate stuttering. Mm -hmm. But yet, um, I feel like in second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, speech therapists are not at least when I was growing up, trained mm -hmm. to make that a part of it. And but th that's when the critical side psychological foundation is being right. formed. Right. And yet we're we're being taught to fix this. And when it can't be fixed, then we feel shame. Right. And so I, I know so you're involved in friends, you're involved in all the these. How one of my missions is to help um help the world. Mm -hmm understand stuttering and let's start with speech therapists. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think yeah. about this? You no, I mean, I think it's critically important. And I think, I think things are changing even in my, even in the last 10 years from conferences I went to in 2010 until now, the dialogue, the, not the dialogue, the na na narrative has changed and it's changed towards much stronger message of that just focusing on fluency and therapy is borderline malpractice. And, and right. you know, it's very high risk to cause damage. Um, of course, there's individualized approaches for everyone, but if that is all that's available to kids, like, you know, that that's, and I think we were saying that in 2010, but it was not, now it seems to be almost widely understood, which is a massive change. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think some of that is a lot of people who stutter, you know, in the younger generations going into the field. And I mean, I have very good friends that I've known for many years who are at AIS or at Avoidance at, 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 with Vivian Siskin and doing a lot of different therapies and they're, and they're changing the landscape of that therapy. Mm -hmm. um, it's a good, it's a really interesting point around like elementary age therapy. And I can't speak to this as an expert at all, um, mm -hmm. but I can imagine that there's a little bit of a struggle there between at this age is your goal to help kids like outgrow stuttering versus mm. accept it. And, and is there a conflict there in therapy when they're that young? Mm. I don't know. Um, but I know parents seem to have a little bit of a conflict with that at that age mm. that, you know, I, I don't want to teach them to hate their stuttering, but I also want to give them a chance if we can to make speaking as easy as possible. Um, yeah, well, you said something important earlier. You said um, 
uh, he said it's borderline malpractice if fluency tools is the only thing that's being being taught and worked on. And I, I, I do think fluency tools help. I mean, they they helped me. My mm. senior year in high school, when I was I was found out by my dad because I mm. was reading out loud uh, mm. in this prayer group that they used to drag us to. Mm. Uh, and my dad was like, oh my gosh. Mm. Um, so I, I went to a therapist who helped a lot with tools to, to some, some easy onsets to, I guess, stutter better is the word there. But, but he also helped me with uh, confidence and visioning, a lot of things that I credit that um, him for. So he was, mm. he was maybe, and this, this is going back to um, 1981 mm. <laughs> when, when I don't think avoidance reduction therapy was a big thing. No. <laughs> have you have you had a chance to read any of the new books out on stuttering, either uh, Chris Anderson or John Hendrickson? Um, I've read John Hendrickson's and it kind of rocked me to my core. Um, Chris Anderson's I have on, on my bedside table. I feel like I after John's like I need a little like breather. <laughs> and, and I've heard that Chris Anderson's is very, very good. And also like John's very, very um, emotionally impactful. Like he really goes to all the places that people who stutter go. Yeah. Um. yeah. <laughs> he does. He, you know, um, I, I just bought uh, two dozen of, of his books here. I, I've got a mm. workshop uh, coming up here in two weeks um, with about 25 kids, mm. young people, you know, anywhere from 15 to 24. And Chris is coming to it. Oh, and, that's so uh, great. Because um, he really speaks to avoidance reduction therapy as the thing that that um, enabled him to integrate stuttering into his life and not be a, ashamed of it. Um, mm. So it, it's raw. I, I must tell you, I uh, cried several times during it. <laughs> it's he goes really, really deep into places. Have you read John's? Oh yeah, oh, John's yeah. made me cry a lot. I oh yeah, John's. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I'm so happy that both of these books, you know, and, and there's, a, you know, some like out with it, Catherine Preston's book from, from years ago. Um, yeah. I'm so happy that there's a very complex story being told about stuttering. Now. So am I. So yeah. am I. And John's book has been, been mentioned several times on national TV. Today's right. show has mentioned it as one of the must reads. Mm. Like that is so great to have someone out there. Um, so. Um, do you, do you, um, do you still, uh, tell people that you stutter or, cause it, I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't impact who you are. That's clear. Right. Right. Like at least from the outside in, you don't react mm. to your own stutter in a way that would mm. make a listener. Like if, if, if people react to your stutter, the way you react, um, just, a um, you know, candidacy candy here you you react beautifully right mm -hmm. so do you tell people you stutter or is that um I spent many years telling many people I mean when I worked in the ER I would tell every patient I met which would be like 30 patients a day um I would say that I don't regularly tell people I stutter anymore um <clears throat> it comes up in terms of once they get to know me about things I'm doing conferences I'm going to you know relationships I have um I, I sometimes think that I should be talking about it a little bit more 
because I think even though stuttering in the moment, the act of stuttering most of the time is not very, very, very challenging for me anymore. Um, I do think it does impact me as a person and who I am. And sometimes I think I forget that a, a little bit, which I'm grateful for the ability to forget it. You know, for so long, it was like, I couldn't escape it. But, um, but I think sometimes I need to remind myself that even though I feel like I just speak quote unquote, so comfortably like everybody else, um, mm. it's a disability and it, and it impacts me. And there are moments and interactions mm. and days where it's there and it's impacting my interactions. Um, yeah. And I do want to be able to acknowledge that and sort of like be, be with that. And I think sometimes I need to admit that to myself a little bit more. Yeah. And like even having more conversations with, with friends, like I've, I've had friends for years and years and years and, and they're like, Oh, you barely stutter. You do well, Mm -hmm. you do great. Um, Almost like, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal for you. It's like, no, no, you don't understand i need to talk a little bit more about this so you understand that's right. made me who i am and how it impacts young people and uh so that's part of it is is the, is that society doesn't understand it at all mm. Mm. no i did they, they don't and this is i mean one of the things we, we need to break is that is that you stutter because you're a nervous person and like the one of the things that bothers me so much mm. you know it's because i you know i've um I've had uh, Dr. Ingo Helbig on on the podcast, and we had a whole whole discussion around the neurological disorder that it is mm-hmm. that's uh, exacerbated by nervousness. And certainly, the more you avoid and the more you have fear, the more you don't talk, the more you're gonna stutter and stutter bad, mm-hmm. not not stutter good. Mm-hmm. So you we need to have people understand that it's a disorder. Mm. that i mean when you're three four five years old and and you're stuttering something's happening right and right we don't have a ton of history that makes a stutter but something's happening mm-hmm. uh, so tell me some of the good things happening at friends when i talked mm-hmm. to you last time you you uh you spoke about friends with such joy about yeah. uh what are some of the good things you guys are doing yeah, I mean, Friends has always been such a special place for me. The first time that I walked in there, I was blown away by it. And a lot of that is due to the, you know, the the, the people in charge over there, Lee Caggiano, now um, Karen Herring, but co-founded with Lee and John Allback. Um, for Friends is great because it it's it's consistently this really special, vulnerable, safe space for families and for kids. And increasingly for adults who stutter also who want to give back. Mm. Um, and it, do- it doesn't try to grow at a rapid clip. It doesn't try to reinvent itself every year. You know, it sticks to the mi- mi- mission of empowering mm. kids and young people to speak how they want, when they want. Um, and it's, it's just, there's just something about the space. I mean, it, if people haven't been there, I really encourage you to go. They have one day conferences and they also have, have, have a national convention. It's just, um, there can be a lot of pain in families around stuttering. Yeah. And yeah. it can be deep stuff. It can be intergenerational of stuttering and, and pain and stigma and shame and guilt. 
And we all come with that. And to see it, to watch it play out there and see families unload, I mean, be able to cry, parents talking to parents mm. and a more sort of advanced parent who's been there comforting a parent that's in the trenches now. Um, and kids do that for each other too. It's just, it gives me chills even. It's mm. just like, it's just a beautiful place. Um, and it doesn't try to do everything. It doesn't try to, you know, fix stuttering. It doesn't talk about speech tools. It, it just talks about how to support young people who stutter in their families. Mm, terrific. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's really special. What, what I'm kind of working on now is I'm trying to, a lot of my work in the stuttering community was with adults and kind of organizing adults who stutter uh, over various things. And I'm trying to figure out, help kind of flush out what an adult programming it for friends could look like mm. and what the goals are. And, um, you know, you know, something you mentioned um, about bringing adults in to uh, help to, 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 to share their stories. Um, I, this is what I think is, is, is super impactful when, when people, well, like me uh, running from it my whole life and then turning back and running, running back to it, as fast as mm -hmm. I can to make up for lost time and telling stories. And so part of what we're doing in the uh, Stuttering Springboard, which is a, a one-day workshop on Saturday, May 20th, is um, we've got about seven adults um, who are going to each speak to a topic. Um, like, like, for instance, one of the topics is interviewing for a job. And they're going to share interview experiences. I mean, that's one of the fears, right? Like, I, I can't go for this job because I can't interview. What's going to happen when they find out that I stutter? Um, mm. So how do we help them work through that? So when you have an adult who stutters, who can start to share their stories, then, then they're, they're healing themselves. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's the, the healing is in the sharing of the stories and the realization of putting it in context, almost like CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, where you can look at it as opposed to wear it. <laughs> mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's yeah. so that's a powerful thing. Stories, stories, yeah. are, stories are so key because all of us have have stories. Like I, you know, one first day experience I'll share um, it actually went well because um, they all didn't go well. <laughs> Uh, was my first day. I was going for my MBA and I had an internship at a health center um, in the business office. And uh, the uh, CFO gave me a list of 50 doctor's offices to call uh, mm -hmm. to ask them for certain forms to send in. And I got this list and I had to make 50 phone calls. And like the self the self-talk, the, the the what's going on in your mind is unbelievable. The hardest call is the first call. And the only way out is through it. Mm. And I I ended up, it worked out, it worked out okay. Mm. Um uh, so I learned you've got to push through it because I had been avoiding situations yeah. like that forever. Yeah. But I realized that when I when I worked it, that I had an inner strength to, mm. to, to do it. And that was stronger than my stutter mm. um, ultimately. And I mm. think that's key when the stutter doesn't dominate us. It right. just is. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So yeah. And finding bit. that, that fire inside. 
yeah. somehow. Yeah. 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 Finding, finding that fire to push through and realize that it doesn't have to um, define you completely. It's just mm -hmm. a part of you. And it actually helps make you beautiful in many ways mm -hmm. from, an, from an empathetic and a listening way. I was talking with someone like uh, who stutters and when we walk into a room, we have antennas up like nobody else, don't we? From when we were kids, right? We just, we just know, totally. we know what people are thinking and feeling and all that. <laughs> no, it's so true. It's so true. And I, you know, it's hard to know because I've only been in this body, but um, I would say that some of the most important relationships in my life are through the stuttering community. And I think there's a level, because it's not just, it's sharing our stories but it's sharing our stories in community. There's just something about it that is healing. Cause I could, I mean, writing a book is a really big feat, but you can write a book or write an essay, write a journal entry. And it's not the same as it being received by other people who stutter, you know? Yeah. It's emotional. And having that. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, that relationship relating to what the other person has gone through and no longer feeling alone. Mm. like all these podcasts that I'm doing are so great for me because mm. I spent a lifetime feeling alone with it and I couldn't talk about it and I like to talk so that's a problem <laughs> yeah no and I think the majority of the work the advocacy work that I've done it was like the, the greatest therapy I could have ever done you know? yeah exactly 100 percent yeah okay so I, I just got I have two more questions for you then I'll mm -hmm. I'll let you roll if you could go back, what would you tell your eighth grade self? Um, I would tell her, trust yourself and you're going to find your way through, through this. Mm. That's pretty key. Yeah. Okay. Now, now you're in college and you're in that year that was not a good year. Um, what do you want to go back and, and tell that person? Reach out for help, mm. but follow and follow your instincts. Mm, that's really good stuff. Cause I, and I'll add a little bit to that. Cause in that year when I was like, all right, I need some good therapy. And I had years of therapy, some good, some good therapists, but not good for me. Um, I interviewed four or five speech therapists. I can't even believe I had like the strength to do this when I was so wow. low. But, and I, and four out of five, I walked out and said, not fun for me. Good for you. That's yeah. brave. You are strong. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. really good. <laughs> and then when I found the one for me, I said, I'm all in on this. Like, I'm going to follow them to the end of the year. <laughs> wow. I'm not sure I could have been that strong to walk out on a therapist. I mean, I, I didn't like to. slam the door and walk yeah. out, but I, I said like, okay, I'll get in touch. You know, I'll get I, back to you. <laughs> yeah. I'll get back to you. Yeah. But, but trust yourself, trust that at a certain point, you're going to know what you need. And if it's not what you need, trust yourself to also walk away and find what you need. Thanks, Roisin. Yeah, that thank was you, that man. was terrific. A great conversation that that uh, I I hope people can relate to and appreciate. 
it's a you know it's a small world i i think i'll see you at a friends conference and i'll i'll we'd love to have you come to one of ours yeah i'd be ha well. happy to and good 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 luck with your event in a few weeks i could use the luck i'm still working through it i run a lot of events um but when i not as emotional as these mm. so um until next time with she mcmanus thank you so much have a great day thanks brian Nolan Stuttering Foundations, or NSF's primary purpose is to bring young people who stutter together and help them become the best versions of themselves. We do this through programming design to help them share and navigate the unique communication and psychological challenge they experience. NSF helps prepare young people to take the next step in their lives, whether it's high school, college, or, or, or your, your career. For ideas and, and contributions to the podcast, contact us at info at nolansf.org.